It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a sunny and ridiculously hot Friday afternoon. Kevin Kincaid alongside a very special guest in the studio today, uh, a guy who I have had the pleasure of refereeing with and uh, doing some radio with in the past, uh, Mr. Brian Kammersgaard. Brian, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing, Kevin? Good, man. Thanks for coming all the way down here. I appreciate it. It's nice to have, uh, always nice to have you in the studio. Driving the air conditioner is not that big of a deal, but it is hot out. There's no question of that. <laughs> it is. So uh, for those of you who, who do not know Brian and I actually, uh, Brian's been a long-time referee um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, did the, the state, the high school finals? Yeah, I did. Last, last year yeah. I was lucky enough to get picked to do the high school AAA boys final out in Hershey. Uh, so I've been around the game for a while. You know, I'm sitting, I'm the, right now I'm the PIAA boys girls and boys chairman yeah so i get to pick referees for the playoffs and stuff and that's kind of a fun job to have. yeah so the first so in addition to you know brian and i actually met a couple years ago we were doing the uh, vuvuzela radio show with eric nash and, and that's when we first started doing um you know doing some some programming together and then actually when i started refereeing a couple months ago the uh, couple of the first games that i did <laughs> right. were with you with yeah us, we yeah. were freezing our asses <laughs> off uh, yeah, I won uh, kind of those days back right now. <laughs> Freezing our ass off up at uh, the Yuki's uh, ground up there. We're going to get a little bit into that because I want to talk about a little, um, you know, with an experienced referee next to me, some of the some of the you know experiences that we've had and, and what we've seen from from parents and, and coaches and refs and whatnot. But uh, first up, uh, your town, your team, your Philadelphia Union, um, you know, losing uh, on the road in Montreal on Wednesday night. Not a great performance. Um, just they, they came out kind of flat and kind of sloppy. They only finished with two shots on goal. Uh, they had a chance at the end for an equalizer that was called offside um, and a couple defensive mistakes. I mean, it just really wasn't – it was a forgettable one, wasn't it? It, it was sloppy, you know, and, and and you kind of sit there and you wait for them to kind of lose the game because <laughs> when it's 1-1, you're going, you know what, this is, this is like – I hope they can hold it, but you know that they're going to give up one or two more chances and – and they do, and then, like you said, you, you're not going to win games with two two shots and goals. You're just not. So it, it's it was a little disappointing, and I'm sure that it's like one of those games they had to win. I think you know to 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 finish off in the playoffs and and, and get an opportunity to to get there. And so losing to Montreal is is uh, especially not when the game was. Not a very good game played. Montreal yeah. didn't play well. Yeah, they didn't play well either. Yeah, they kinda, did. They weren't. They weren't lighting the world on fire. It, it <laughs> was a game that they kind of gave away, you know. And it's, and that's kind of the mo of this team, though. That they have, they're in a lot of games, and then at the end, or towards the end, they end up giving up a dumb goal, and they end up losing or t- giving up a goal to tie it. And it's, you know, it, it's a little frustrating to watch. And uh, we talked about this before, and uh, we did before. The, we started on, on this podcast. Yeah, it feels like we've been we were we've been talking about the same things going back five it's, years. It's now. just five years. You and I haven't you and I haven't done a show together in probably like four years, and but I think we're talking about this. Yeah, right? yeah. This yeah. team is like, like we talked about before. They're not gonna they're not gonna win the MLS, right? So so they're not gonna win the MLS Cup. So they're gonna struggle to get into the playoffs, and you don't really have much to build on. I mean, you do have. A couple of good players. I would probably say the best two young players to have are the two goalkeepers, <laughs> and, yeah. and only one can play. And mm-hmm. you know the way the way uh, the way Blake is playing right now for Jamaica, I think he's the best player in in the whole tournament as of right now. I mean, he's come up hard to argue after the save that he yeah. had uh, last night against uh, unbelievable. Canada, but he know, but yeah. he's had. I mean, he's done that consistently through this tournament. And I think the Union at some point are going to get a get some offers for him and maybe not this transfer yeah transfer uh, window but then the next and then um you know that's going to be probably the first player player they're going to be able to sell to europe well and they and, and ernie and i had kind of a um not a, a dust up or a conflict over at the beginning of the year but i had always been pushing the idea to sell andre because i feel like his value's high yeah, um is. and also because of the of the concept not that i dislike Andre but I'm saying you my my point to that whole uh idea was that if you can flip Andre for realistic money to purchase a number 10 or yeah. a number 9 then you can always find a serviceable uh replacement in the American ranks because that's the one thing that we do kind of produce well I mean look for, for everything that everybody says about John McCarthy and these jokes they make and stuff like that he went out and had a great game against uh, Kansas yeah, City so you can find you can find a one hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollar less goalkeeper. A good goalkeeper and then if you can flip a great goalkeeper like Andre and use that money to buy a striker I just feel like you have more it's you know. funny because I kind of look through the the prices of what 
I think Andre will be like, um, do the kind of same thing that Brett Friedel did, where he went to Scandinavia and played and mm-hmm. got, got seen, and then he went to England because he, he played enough on the U.S. national team. But I looked at the market for goalkeepers and what they sell for and get mm-hmm. bought for right now in Scandinavia. And you can, mm-hmm. they, they can get, the union will probably be able to get 4 or $5 million for him. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt. And if, just just if for not more. just for context that so people know, if you've never heard Brian speak before, his accent is Danish. Yeah, so man. that's you know, he's, he's also an expert on the the Scandinavian game. You know, which which is where a lot of MLS guys have yeah. have ended up. Before a lot of American guys have had successful um, careers over there. But yeah, the, you know, at the beginning of the year, basically, I had I just wrote another story saying, hey, if you can flip Andre for these reasons, do it. And uh, Mark Narducci from the Inquirer asked Ernie when we were all standing there in a the scrum. He said, you know, there's been this speculation. <laughs> Uh, that Andre might be sold. And Ernie started laughing. I think I started laughing. And, and Ernie says, what speculation? Where's yeah. the speculation? And I kind of like interrupted. And I was like, well, I think that's just me. I think yeah. I'm the speculation. Because <laughs> I, I wrote one thing about it. And that got a good laugh out of everybody. But then Ernie comes out and says that they've never gotten, they haven't had an offer for him. Well, and well, I know that that's bullshit. Because, well, I, I shouldn't say that I know it's, I mean, it could very well be that once once Ernie, uh, took over that maybe they haven't heard yeah. too much from him, but, but I know for a fact that, was that, a couple of, that there was yeah. two years ago that he was he was as good as sold to uh, it was either Gank or Ghent. Yeah, uh, Gank, the, it was Gank in yeah. Belgium, and and, and, yeah. and but the funny thing and is, and Andre even I think confirmed that himself. Yeah, he did, he did, himself, and, yeah. and and but the thing is, Kevin, that 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 um, you know, the, like you talk about, you know, if the union can go out and they can get. A good amount of money for for Andre Blake, right? And they can sign a number t- ten or a number nine mm-hmm. or whatever. Why not do it? Because right now they have John McCarthy, and and who 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 actually does well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's not going to cost them games. Yeah, he may not win them games, but does it matter when you're sitting uh, three or four games out of the playoffs? I mean, does it matter? I mean, I think a goalkeeper is really important for you when you are. In the playoffs, and you're going on a run. Mm-hmm. You need him to maybe win a game for you. You shouldn't have won. But in all reality, it doesn't matter where they're at. So why not sell him? They have a good backup uh, that that's certainly adequate. Can go in and do a good job, and and use that money, like you said, go out and buy a bona fide good young player that. That can that, that would be able to step up. They can and make maybe, an impact on the other side impact. of the field, you know. And then that's and that kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about from the game. Uh, you know, this idea also that you have some some dead weight in Roland Alberg and Elsino and Marisa Du that can also be turned into uh, you know a decent number ten or a number nine as well. But before I kind of get into that, let me backtrack a second because the. Uh, in, in the game the other night, there was uh, Fafa Pico had a, a turnover. He had a nice high press, turned over Lawrence Simon, took the ball to goal, and instead of squaring it for Ilsenio and Alberg, he took the shot himself and he missed. There was a lot of bad body language, you know, motioning. Why didn't yeah. you play me the ball? Why didn't you tap it in? Pico kind of blew them off. 40 minutes later, uh, Pico gets another turnover on yep. a, an atrocious, yeah. a scandalous <laughs> back, back. I was trying to think of a better. Yeah, somebody it, somebody on Twitter said awful. that word Absolutely is not Absolutely just yeah. awful. A horrendous back pass. And uh, he he <clears throat> hits it right at the goalkeeper, but luckily he goes through his legs. And uh, then he kind of, Ilsenio doesn't go over to celebrate with him. Fafa kind of jogs by him. Harris yeah. Madunian comes over, and he does a sh- like a short celebration. And then he, he makes a dismissive gesture towards somebody off yeah. screen. screen. Warren exactly. Carvalho kind of pushes him off of there. Um, and I asked Jim about it. Actually, we did the uh, conference call with him today. So let me just pull up the quote real quick because uh, yeah. I wasn't sure if I'd get anything on it. But Jim said, Quote, the guys were disappointed that he didn't square the ball. We talked about it at halftime. It was as heated a conversation as we've had in our group, and I actually liked it. Uh, guys were yelling at each other, and we were on each other with a constructive approach of we want to win. We want to win these games on the road, and there are difficult heat-of-the-moment things that are said and split-second uh, split decisions that are made on the field. Fafa knows in that situation if you're, not, if you're going to shoot, you better score. Yeah. Uh, 90% or 95%, the option is to square it for a tap-in, uh, and there were some guys who were disappointed in his play. The one thing to be said, though, about Fafa is that he puts the work in defensively, and some of the guys that were upset with him didn't have their best night either. It's a two-way street. Again, the right play is to square it, and we get to tap in, and that changes the game at one nothing. It's fair for guys to be upset with Fafa in that regard. He knows, and we talked through it at halftime, resolved it, and we'll move on from it. Uh, they're all competitors, and they want to win, and uh, so on and so forth. So, uh, the, one <laughs> so thing I, the one thing I'll say about that is he, he did create that chance himself. 
You know, by he, playing defense. Yes, by, yes, by winning the ball, playing hard, <laughs> yes, yes. getting the ball. Thank you. Now, he should have played the ball, of course, but you can't fault the guy for, from wanting to score. I mean, the Union is not a high-scoring team, so when you when you do get that chance, you know, it's, it's yeah, the right play is playing it across and when you look at it afterwards, but when... Yeah. When you get that ball and you come in on net, you're not really thinking passing. And Jim is not just throwing shade at Ilsino and no. Alberg no. for their lack of effort and two-way, uh, you know, work ethic. Who and those guys are probably going to be gone at the end of the season anyway. Yeah. But you know, as you said correctly, pointed out the very first takeaway from that, and I yeah. knew that you would you would go there. Is that Pico created that those chances yeah. for himself yeah. with his defense, with, with, with playing hard, and, and that's, that's what once, they do. They they counter chance off of pressure, and, and that's why guys like Alberg and Elsino are just not. And doing that's all. It right and Alberg should know. Alberg should know that that I think half the goals he scored is coming off somebody else working hard, getting the ball, and playing the ball to him in good spots where he's able to or taking to, the penalties or that, taking that, the penalties that, that they that they're yeah. given to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. and and so so again, where where. The, in in the whole, in the whole, when you look at it as a whole, you know, the, it's this union team specifically is, like I told you before we started talking about this off air, that 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 it's probably the be- one of the better teams they had. Yeah. But but where are we going? I mean, where are we going with this team? Because we have, I think, for the first time ever, there is there's three or four international players on this team, Blake and um, and the two Americans. You know that that. Um, that gets uh, that 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 is really, you know, they played this game and uh, I think the Kansas City game without him, right? And 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 yeah, you can Bedo- see Bedoya and Bedo- Pontius, Bedoya and yeah. Claudius. You can yeah. see they're missing. I'm sorry, yeah, Bedoya. And 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 but then I'm watching the U.S. national team play, and I kind of get a little bit annoyed at Bedoya because mm-hmm. why can he put in that kind of effort <laughs> there? <laughs> and then when he comes here, it's kind of a struggle because I think. One reason this team is struggling a little bit is because I don't think he's playing particularly well. You know, I think it's strange to analyze his game. You know, he's such a. I mean, first of all, I think Ali is kind of shoehorned into this role that's that's unrealistic. These expectations that are unrealistic because he's the franchise's highest paid player. Baxter, leave that alone, would you? He's being good so far, isn't he? He's being nice and polite, but he went for the soda there. Baxter's Uh, a good dog. (laughs) Um, So Bedoya comes in as the highest paid player in franchise history and also the first seven figure guy in franchise history but he's a glue guy you know he's a utility guy who does a lot of little things well but it's the same as like when david beckham came over here and everybody was expecting him to score boatloads of goals when he was never a goal scorer no he's you never know? been a goal scorer he's never I mean, been he, a goal scorer he, he, he all his most of his goals came off free kicks which is what made him famous right yeah and, and hitting in like great assists and whatnot but and, but back to back to Alberg real yeah. quick just to wrap that up um you know i, I like roland i think he's got a ton of talent he's always been nice to us in person, you know, he yeah. said something at me on Twitter that didn't make sense, but whatever. It's, it's not a big deal. I don't know. Whatever. And um, he's got a lot of talent. The guys seem to like him. I mean, he uh, is, uh, he goes to games with them and there's Instagram and there's, you know, Twitter photos and stuff like that. But he just whether whether he's lazy or whether he doesn't care or whether any of that is, is true or not. The body language and the optics of it still looks bad. It looks bad. It you looks know, bad to people watching. And, and it's not it's not necessarily. It's not necessarily that he's always lazy. It's just it's the perception of it. I can, right. I can't even say for sure no. if I think that he's lazy because or he, if I think that he's overweight yeah, or if I think anything yeah. like that. But it looks that way. He, he, you know? For me, he's one of those guys that when he's on the ball, he looks like he's one of the best players in the world at times. And the, then, he's, he's got to be the best pure finisher yeah, that they've they, ever they, had. They, they, they ever had. I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but then he says something that at the end of the year, He's probably going to be gone. He's probably going to be gone. And that's, and that's what I was getting to with this team. You remember when the union started, they, they, they fed us the thing with, with our youth. And they look at all the players they had. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they gave up on that, all that very quickly. That, well, you know, and I think that yeah. I think there's one or two of those guys that are left. You know, in yeah, terms Jimmy of Jimmy McLaughlin's playing in yeah. Cincinnati, and uh, Zach, uh, yeah. who you know well, yeah. uh, retired. Yeah. Um, and Christian Hernandez isn't even in the, not the playing, game right? anymore. But then yeah. the only one I'm thinking about the union has left is uh, is uh, is uh, the right back, left back. What's his name? Ray, Ray, Ke- uh, uh, oh, Keegan. Uh, oh, no, Ray Gaddis. Ray Gaddis. Yeah, right? okay. He's yeah. the only guy that's left from the original. Oh, the original from that, from guys, those right? original team. Okay, the rest right, of them yeah. all gone. Right. And 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 now we had a, we in a situation where we have a kind of team that are older and not going anywhere again. 
I mean, it's it's hard to root for this team. Yeah, it's it's. I, I see what you're saying. It's very. Um, yeah, they do have some older guys on the team who are key pieces, and they want to do things. They want to generate from the academy. Uh, and, and get a little bit younger and have those guys make an impact. But I've said on the show a million times before that the successful teams in MLS are going down every avenue of player personnel acquisition. Yeah. You have some academy kids. You have some draftees. You have some $4 million players. Yep. You have some TAM players yep. who are bought down yep. below the threshold. you got to go down all those roads to get there. What I would like to see the union do, um, and here's just one specific scenario of it, uh, Alberg and El Sino are on uh, option years yeah, coming up. They're probably going to be declined, right? I, I would hope so. Yeah, and Maurice Adu is probably going to move on as well. Um, unfortunately, it's just been it's a rough go for him. But maybe, just... maybe he'll be healthy, and maybe he'll latch on with like an LAFC or something like that. You know, um, I hope I hope he does well. I hope he finds success. Yeah, wherever, wherever you don't he goes, want, but... Wish, but he's not. Gonna, again, he's not a Philadelphia type of player. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is he, he's an older guy that 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 comes in and he's supposed to be a leader. And and he can't get on the field, you know. He, well, yeah, and he, hurt, he was Mo. And Mo, I, I, Mo, I think more importantly than anything was that they kind of wanted to find these U.S. national team kind of guys, you know, Bedoya, Davies, yeah. Anyewu, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, the injuries just kept him off the field. But so the second half of the point is that they just signed Anthony Fontana, right, right. a guy that they're really high on, who's kind of like a he probably they'll probably play him as a ten. Mm-hmm. Like the thing with him and Adam Najim is they're both kind of tweeners right now, but they'll probably play him as a ten. So if you're committed to youth. This is what you do. You get rid of Alberg, you get rid of Osinio, you get rid of Adu, and you free up seven figures yeah. in salary cap. You go out and buy an $800,000 number 10. Yep. And then your backup number 10 is your $65,000 a year homegrown player. Yeah. And that's because weird. not only are you getting youth and you want to go that way and you believe in these guys philosophically yeah. like Ernie does, but if they're good enough to be on the roster, then they're good enough to play. And you know I don't what? I don't need any more of these symbolic no. press releases right. where it's like we signed a seventeen year old kid. Okay, yeah. good. 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 Literally. Go do it. It's have you seen the movie Half Baked before? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's like you know what it reminds me of? It's like they go to the scene in Half Baked where they go to a jail. Yeah. And they tell Kenny, they say, Hey, we found a way to do it. We're gonna sell weed yeah. to to, to get, get out. you out of jail, yeah. right? And and Kenny's like, "Good, yeah. go do it. Yeah. Go sell weed. Go. I don't. I don't want you at the window anymore. Go sell weed. Yeah. That's how I feel about the union yeah. homegrowns. Like, good, play him. Put him on the field. Yeah. I don't need to hear any more about Derek Jones' journey to the United States. I want to. I want to see him yeah. on the field every game as a sub or a starter. And, and, that's, and, and that's what you do. And this is and this is what I always felt the union did wrong with their homegrown players to begin with when they first had Sack and, and McLaughlin and, and Hernandez was they had these guys that they sold on us that they were going to be homegrown players and a lot of talent in us, but they never really got a chance. There was nowhere play. for them to go. There was nowhere yeah. for them to go, so they, so they never got any games. And, 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 and yet we, we were watching, uh, we were watching uh, uh, some of these older guys playing and not winning games either. So why not just play these young right. guys? If you're going to be shitty, yeah, then be just shitty do. with the young guys. <laughs> I mean, I agree. It's, I it's, agree. And I'll tell you what, it's 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 kind of too bad that we are sitting here talking about talking about this team. I, I mean, I don't. You know better than I do because I stopped counting. I, the union's been in the, in in existence for what seven, eight years now. Yeah, eight se- eight seasons. Eight I guess. seasons. Yeah. How many years have been in the playoff too? Yeah, and. And and after both those times, we had to go out and redo our team over, because yeah, because we we had too many guys that 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 um, that that just can't play and and it's and then when we get players like we had a couple of years ago with um, uh, no, I can't remember their names the kid from the guy from France and and. and the oh, Argentinian. No, no, Nogueira, Nogueira and Maidana. Yeah. And, oh, the Stephen Vittorias of yeah. the world. And, and, and you know, it, it always feels like this. there's this perpetual albatross around yeah. their neck. And there's always one bad contract or one that does uh, it. You go, what is that all about? It always seems to be weighing on them. You know, they, they can't. I think Ernie's moving in the right direction. I think they'll get it cleaned up going into next year. But I think it starts with those homegrown guys and just believing in them. Okay, so a couple notes. Um, Real quick from that game, uh, Roland Alberg is suspended actually for Saturday in Columbus because of that first half tackle that he had. There was a a, got, si- a scissor and a kick out. Got, it was actually pretty. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 I, yeah, I thought that was going to be a red. I, I was. It very well could. I, have I been, thought yeah. straight red on that. I, I tell you what, if I'm in the middle of that, he's that's a straight red. And speaking of which, uh, 
a lack of suspension. Uh, Jim Curtin actually started his conference call today by by expressing his uh, disappointment that there was no suspension for Ilya Sanchez of Kansas City for putting his hands yeah, around Aguchi on it, his neck. It just doesn't belong. I mean, you, whereas you, if you saw that in the game that you were refing, he's gone. Yeah. I mean, and not only is he gone, it's one of those things where 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 you report this as a very very serious offense. I mean, this is yeah. this is a seven. In my opinion, whenever you you put your hands on somebody else in a threatening manner, that that's a, that's a serious a serious offense. No, like, it could be it could be uh, construed as violent conduct. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, I think there are. I mean, like, when you think about it, if somebody did that to you off the field, you're calling the police. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's and that and that's, that's a good way to look at it. And, and that's what if somebody bites you off the field, you're calling the police. <laughs> you know, it, it's and 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 that's. And the league decides to nothing about it. I just think it's 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 a bad bad, it's a bad way to go with it because like, and I'm not a big uh, Alexi Lalas fan at all. But he said the other day on TV, <laughs> he said the other day on TV that it's vile, and that's what it is. Like when 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 players are spitting at each other, biting each other, um, putting you know hands around their throat. And, you know, it, it's just vile, and it's got to yeah, stop. that's a very basic and rudimentary kind of behavior. That's like, uh, you know, um, you know, the, the the predecessors of the Homo sapiens would do that yeah. kind of stuff, and, you know. And you told me that the league decided Cro-Magnon, not to anything. Cro-Magnon, man. Yeah, you told me that the league decided to nothing about it because of the reaction of the victim. That I mean, seems to be the case, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because Anyewu didn't really respond or whatever, as if that had anything to do with it. But anyway, that that segues nicely into you know i got brian here so i wanted to talk a little bit about you know his experiences as a ref and mine as well which are not as vast as his but you know i i, I kind of approach it this way I, I wrote a story about my experiences a couple weeks ago kind of f- from the angle that um you know there's there's three kind of elements the way i see it is that you have uh, adults influencing kids in a variety of ways you have coaches you have referees uh, and you have parents um I'll start off by saying that last night I was doing a game, uh, a 13-year-old girls game, <laughs> where I had to break up a fight at halftime between parents, parents. parents of 13-year-old girls who themselves were acting like 13-year-old girls. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have so, so much uh, issue with people saying stuff to me or being involved in conflict because why would you get into this job yeah. if you can't handle no, it? But, um, you know, my, 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 I think my, my takeaways from it, uh, if you look at the ultimate reason, the basic reason why I think we're all doing this in the first place is because um, youth, youth sports yeah. are an important cultural foundation in the United States, as in Denmark and yeah, the UK and, and everywhere. And I, I think the responsi- there's a responsibility, um, you know, for everybody to kind of perform to a certain level and hold themselves well, to a certain well, standard. I, I, the, way, the, reason, the way I always looked at it was that... that I grew up. The only reason I could play games was because somebody else was refereeing. We yeah, can't. what is a game without a ref? Just there a pick is up, no game. Yeah, there right. is no game because right. there will be fights and there will be, and, and not because the kids will be fighting. If it's just a pickup game with the kids, it'll be fine. But as soon as you put an adult on the sideline, now now it's coaches and mm-hmm. and and the parents are there and and it becomes a mess. I mean, I I got into refereeing because I felt it was important to me to give back to the game and and i never thought about i never thought about doing this for as long as i have or 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 even at the level i've been able to do it at but but for me it, it's the worst part about youth sports or the or the referee not referees i'm sorry the parents mm-hmm. and i would agree i mean and i like i've told you like i wrote you I wrote a, com- a comment when you, your article came out because mm-hmm. I thought your article was was straight on perfect. Thanks. And and, and I've had a couple of experiences with, with that that should never happen. Like I've had a parent scream out, "I'm going to go to my car and get a knife, and I'm going to come back and stab you," and I, you just go, "What? Wait, what just happened?" And and directed at a kid, not mm-hmm. at me, at a kid on the other team. Yeah. That just failed his son, his son, and he felt obligated to yell out he was going to go get a knife and stab the kid. And it's just like, you got to, I mean, you're just thinking, what are, what are you thinking? The parents, um, my biggest takeaway so far is that I don't think that parents realize or they don't care how um, influential their behavior is on the kids themselves. I would say that most of the conflicts that I've seen, and again, I've only been doing this for six months, but most of the conflicts that I've seen 
are a direct result of bad behavior from parents kind of being absorbed by their children and then they act uh, on that. Um, they're very, you know, influenced there, by that. There, there's no question about it. There's two things that that the players itself they 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 react on what the information they get from from the coaches and the parents. Because when we like this weekend, I'm going over to Jersey again and refereeing. Seven or eight games. Are you doing Takaho? Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow? Okay, maybe I'll see you. Down yeah, yeah. What field I'm just doing on? Saturday. I like right. field 11 or something. I'm yeah. on field eight, so I'll okay. see you. All right. But, 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 you know, here's what happens. Um, so you go to referee, and you and and, and it's going to be hot, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you very well know by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, everybody's going to be screaming their heads off They're gonna because they lose their mind completely. And as the tournament goes, the result gets more and more important. And... Too many of these tournaments and these teams are driven by winning, and it's not the right way to develop kids anyway. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be. But you know, when when the part of the problem, Kevin, is that that people don't know the rules. Like they don't know the handball rules. <laughs> they don't know the side rules. Offside. They don't know. So so yeah. so every time the ball hits an arm, there's everybody's screaming handball yeah. on one side, and then the other side screaming. That's not a handball, you know. He, he was offside by three yards. Yeah. No, he was onside like, by yeah, three, three yards. Yard. And, and it's like, like and, and kind of the <laughs> kind of thing about soccer, and especially it's it's becoming more complicated because to referee because a lot of it's it's is judgment called by us as referees. It is. Yeah. I decide yeah. what's a handball, mm-hmm. and that may be you may be calling balls balls a handball that I wouldn't call, and vice versa. So it's very. Um, the rules it's very are open to interpretation. Very inter- interpretation, yeah, yeah. and yeah. they say, well, if the arm above your head, the ball hits your arm, it's a handball. Well, it's not, because if it, yeah. it, it's, it, it has to be where your arm is at when the ball is kicked and where the distance from the kicker to the arm and all mm-hmm. those things come into effect. And, 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 and by, it's just, so the handball thing is, is a dark area. I actually suggested that they just change it the ball hits the arm or hand, no matter where it's at, it's a handball. It will eliminate. It would be, yeah, it'll eliminate yeah. all of those, all of those things. But then it will be. Then what will happen after that is, every time the ball hit the chest or or the leg, right, then people will complain. Well, anyway. you no, know, you know what it is. It's like it's like you can make that complaint in anything. Yeah. If you let sixty-four teams into March Madness, yes. people say, "Why don't so you let sixty-eight? 68 yeah. And then you expanded to sixty-eight. Well, what's seventy-two? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so, I, so, so the other thing, let me finish. That point with yeah. the outside rule is is this that people think that when you stay in outside position, the ball is played. It's when he's the ball outside. hits. Yeah, but, but he's not. He's not offside until he actually make a play on the ball or touches the ball. And they don't understand passive offside. They no. don't understand that a guy who's no. offside but maybe not no. touch the ball can influence the play, the movement of a defender, the vision of a goalkeeper. That's the hardest thing, I think, with parents um, by far. You know, And, and I, I am – look, I'm sympathetic to the plight of – and look, I don't have kids yet, um, but – I understand that there's a lot, you know, you're driving your kid all over creation. You take them to these all day tournaments, these all weekend tournaments. You put a lot of time and money into it. Um, you probably already work a stressful nine to five job. Yeah. Maybe yelling at the referee on the weekend is like your only yeah. stress reliever yeah. that you have, you but know, it's, like, but it's not, it's not, it's not an excuse. Like you, you still, you and I are very similar to that, Kevin, in <laughs> terms of, I you can yell at me all day. I, I, it's, it takes me a lot to, to throw somebody out yeah. unless they get personal. As soon as mm-hmm. if they yell out, "Oh, that's the worst call in the world!" Fine, it's so it's the worst call in the world. Yeah, but I if mean, you're a, if you're a Danish yeah, asshole, yeah, then you're... <laughs> and and I've gotten that, I've gotten that from, yeah. from coaches that know me. Yeah, would, would, would use yeah. The, that's unfair. You know, yeah. and and it just and you just go, that's just too much. Your parents don't know you or whatever, but but as long as you don't get personal with me, if you think that's the worst call in the world, or. I, I I couldn't make that call from where I was standing or whatever. Yeah. That's fine with me. But as soon as as long as it doesn't get personal towards me or towards any of the players, I I don't hear him. I, just, I do, you know, and I do have to say, and I it's this is ironic because it just started with a little joke there. But I I have seen a little bit of unfortunately um, underlying uh, ethnic yeah. tension. Uh, the, and, between and, and, different parent parents and, parent and teams and, as well, and, and, yeah. I, and I'll tell you this: yeah. that this this is a lot of times uh, that does happen, especially when you when you have uh, 
you know, like people would describe, oh, they're Latin, or that's a Latin team, yeah, so they're yeah. going to be very emotional. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I mean, for me, that, that, that's passion, <laughs> right? That's the passion they have yeah. for the game. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's just, look, I understand when you play and, and, and the other team scores a goal with six minutes left and it was borderline offside, mm-hmm. I understand that the parents are going to be screaming because they don't want to lose or they yeah. don't want sure, so, sure, sure. so I get that, you know, and, like, and so, so the yelling at the referees from the field, when I'm, I'm 50 years old, I don't care, but when the referee is 17 years old, Kevin, we lose 80% of new referees after year one. Hmm. I don't know if you read the article from, from, uh, that came out after yours, actually, about uh, in South Carolina, they, 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 they wrote this article about referees in all sports. Yeah. Not just soccer, but in all sports. Is that the new rules that they were talking yeah, about? They, they wanted to... Well, what they, what they implemented was that they had a uh, um, no-noise weekend. They're not allowed to say anything. They can mm-hmm. clap. Their parents can clap. If they, if they start cheering or yelling at referees, they're gone. There's going to be officials on the field, yeah. uh, club officials that's going to throw them out. But, you know, what happens, and we having a huge problem... Um, Retaining referees, and 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 I can tell you from the PIAA side, uh, uh, viewpoint of this is that that it's so bad that during the fall we can't cover all the games. We do, there's just mm-hmm. not enough referees to cover varsity, uh, varsity boys, JV boys, ninth grade boys, middle school, eighth grade, uh, you know, and then the same thing on the girls side. So so. Um, the talent the referee pool gets washed down to a point where where pretty much anybody that takes the test can do games and has to do games because there's not enough referees and there's, and then no there's a circu- right and then there's a circular issue there where they're saying well the referees aren't experienced enough but yeah that's because you know you're losing all these referees who are burned out in the first yeah. year who don't stick with it and that's why you have a lot of nascent uh types in there Absolutely. not to go down the rabbit hole with this but i just wanted to make a point on the, the ethnic thing i did a tournament last weekend where we had a team from georgia uh not not bible belt georgia like no, no, the actual no, country, country of georgia they were from tbilisi people know that it's a russian republic right it used to be ex right ex soviet and then we had another team from uzbekistan we had a team from uh uh what are they mexican mexican guys were there too and uh all all yes very intense on the field the one georgian guy was was being a total asshole during the one game and then he came over to the guy that he was yelling at after the game he said sorry i get you know i get Really intense. I, I don't. I don't claim to speak yeah, for other cultures. I'm a white kid from Pottstown, <laughs> yeah. you know. But um, it, yeah, there is a, there is an element of some of, some of these other cultures when they're playing, they do get really really intense during the game, and then they switch it off yeah. immediately after, after the game, the game happens, and that's do, it's fine. They, yeah. they do understand. Like I always say, this like you can't carry can't carry a grudge. Like, let's say I have a bad experience. Yeah, so five five guys from Uzbekistan yeah. obviously tell the story of every single person from that country. Absolutely. You know, it's like and, and it's not the right thing. You know, like and, yeah. and then suddenly it, it becomes us against them kind of attitude when you have this right the, yeah you know, i've like, seen like, it i've seen it plenty of times and and, yeah. and, and i've you not only seen like 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 i actually had had and the conversation took place behind me i was a linesman and there was two parents standing behind me from a team from jersey and and a team from new york city that was all hispanic yeah and mm-hmm. and the one parent said to the other all those Hispanics, they really get intense during these games. Yeah, and I'm those, going, those Hispanics. And, and I'm those Hispanics. I'm going, what are you talking about, <laughs> those Hispanics? They're all American you, kids, actually. Right, right, because there are, there are no American assholes <laughs> yeah, out there. They're, right? they're, they're all American kids. Uh, that, 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 and, but it becomes a – it always becomes an us-against-them type of attitude when, when – when these games start, and I did, it's a shame I, it like defaults to that when it really doesn't have to, you know. It doesn't. It's, and mean, they, they they immediately go to the racial thing for some reason. And you, I don't, and, you, know. and you know, and I and I can tell you that being a referee in Denmark, for instance, where mm-hmm. you go and you referee, parents come in Denmark. They come to watch their kids mm-hmm. play. They don't really care about the wins and losses at the end. If their kid has done well, they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. And so so there isn't. There isn't a lot of yelling and screaming at the referees as there are here. In this country, it's like us against them. Like, referees, we've seen as the evil people. We are, we are, <laughs> we are the vampire, vampire of the world. And, and, and it's, like, weird because, 
like we said to begin with, without us, there is no games. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I understand that we come and all come in different sizes, different um, different ages, and so on. And 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 I'm actually glad that you took up you took up refereeing because I think it's important that people. Um, I mean, you have a way with writing, and, and and it's important that people hear about this. Well, I think one. Of, I, I well, thanks first of all, and I, I'd say that one of the reasons I got into it was. Yeah, to make a little bit extra money on the side, but also I, I would think that hopefully it would lend a little bit of credibility um, you know, to being a writer. If I'm going to talk about refereeing, uh, people would say, what the hell does Kincaid yeah, know no, about the offside? Like, okay, well, now he does it, so yeah. he's got more uh, cre credibility doing it. So that was definitely a part of it. I'd, I've only been doing it for six months. I don't claim, yeah. to, claim to be an expert, no. but at least I can understand a little bit about what it takes to be an AR, what it takes to be a center ref. Um, you know, point number two, adult number two who's involved in this whole thing are the coaches. And... Um, I, my 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 experience with coaches hasn't been that bad at all. I've I I will go up to them and explain a call. I'll try to listen to them and and you know be considerate and whatnot. Uh, my biggest issue with the coaches is not uh, anything that they say to me or anything that they do to me or it's it's uh, it's, it's, it's kind of what they yell at their players. Yeah, yeah you know, scary. a lot of a lot of yeah yeah, and it, it's it's not scary. It, it's the scary thing about it is that. Uh, where do, what do I what do I want to say here? There there are there are proven studies in uh, sports psychology and child psychology where um, constantly barraging your players with instructions uh, have redundant or negative or diminishing returns. If I'm I hear I hear stuff that's just vapid. Uh, useless stuff like shoot the ball, yeah. kick the ball here, run there. Yeah. I'm going to take you off the field if you don't do that. They, yeah. Kids don't respond to that. They don't respect that. They don't yeah. absorb it. Like none of that stuff works. I, I can tell you this, Kevin. I took about 15 years ago, and, and people don't know this. I, I used to coach. Uh, I coach everything from college to U6. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I, I've been coaching at a very high level, but the most humbling experience I ever had was I took a course called the National Youth License. And here you get you. They teach you how to deal with you six, seven, and eight, mm -hmm. and and it's the most humbling thing I've ever done because um, here you are. You 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 think you have kids have as kids grow, they have a little bit more attention span. But a U six player has has eight seconds. That's all they have. Of time for you talking. Anything after the six seconds, they yeah. don't hear. For attention span. For attention yeah. span. So yeah. they don't hear it. So your job is to, every coach should take this course, but what this course does, it teaches you about the mentality and, and the psychological difference between every age group and what kids learn from. And you know, and you know, they're all, you learn. You learn 10% of the things you are told. You learn 40% of the things that, that, you write, you learn 80% of things you do. Yeah. So yeah. right there, it tells you everything you need to know about coaching. And that goes to the, that goes to the highest levels of coaching as well. Yeah, you know, I'm sure does. that Jim Curtin would tell you that, uh, you know, uh, tactics and X's and O's are only so much a part of the job. He has to man manage. Yeah people like Roland Alberg and Fafa Pico and understand the team chemistry and team building and bonding and maximizing performance psychologically. And, you know, all those kinds of things go into it. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I won't name the guy, but he's a guy that I have a lot of respect for. Um, but there's a coach in our area who I did, a who, uh, is also involved in the teaching side of it. And I refed one of his team's games a couple weeks ago. And I don't think he said one thing. No. The entire time, and, then, and his uh, team came out and stomped the shit out of the southern team and, for nothing. And, and I can tell you this, Kevin. It, it, he didn't it, say a single thing. It goes like this: pre-game, you have about ten minutes for the game that you need to with youth players anyway. You can that you need to tell them who's starting and so on, mm -hmm. and and all that's done. Halftime, you you should always ask them, okay, guys, what's happening out there. Yeah. Let them tell you. So, so that way, you are not telling. Oh, here's what's going on, guys. Mm -hmm. They need to know. They need to learn what's going on. And by them having a say in, look, I should probably. I, I think I'll do better in, in playing a little bit more central in this game. It, it's much more valuable to you as a coach than anything you can tell them. Yeah. And yeah. after the game, don't exist. Because they don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah, you know yeah, they, yeah. they they the coaches that sit these guys down and they talk to them for fifteen twenty minutes. It's a lost cause because what you should be doing is 
next practice session, for 10 minutes, sit him down and say, okay, let's just go over the last tournament. Yeah. That's and, all you have to do. And, less, and, less is more. Less, less is more. Yeah. And, and I say them all. I, I say this to people all the time. And I, like, they have to know the same language. And what I mean by that is when you, when you coach, there's words that you, keep, you have to use. And it's not just words. It's also mechanisms and mannerisms. But, like, mine was 80% far post. All my players knew when they came from an angle – we're hitting the ball 80% far post because we're going to try to, even if the goalkeeper makes a save, mm. there will come a rebound up front. So that means when, when they come yeah, it's in like from a, the It's angle, like weak side, weak side rebounding yeah. in basketball. Exactly. Yep. And, and that, yep. that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and so all my players will know that, um, um, you know, we, they would know if I, yell, if I told them for the game, uh, we need to pressure at the 40. They all knew what that meant mm-hmm. because we've gone over it in practice. And then, you know, you have all these same coaches that when they come to training sessions, they warm up, and normally they warm up by running laps or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, and everybody, or warming up with one ball. You should always, everybody always should have, a, have ball. a ball. Everybody have should a ball. have a yep, ball. Yep. And then when, 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 when the game starts, when you start your training session, if it's not game-related, if it's not some part of the game, mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be doing then it. Then what's the point? Right. Well, what's yeah. the point of yeah. doing it? And and it, it can be. You can do a simple defensive three v three drill, for instance. And what you're doing that exercise is you're doing all the things you will be doing in a soccer game: trapping, receiving, dribbling, passing, heads up, running. You know, but that you can do that by playing three v three. You can emulate a big game and. But there's way too many coaches that, that said, you know, I always do this. We always did that with my players, high school, college, whatever. We always did small-sided, 3 v 3 2-2, 2-2, 3-3, 6-3, 6. It's very rare that we ended up that we did a whole field thing. Yeah. You know, because it's more, the more touches you get in training, the better you're going to be. Yeah. And, yeah. and too many coaches don't – they just don't do it. And, and like you, I have a couple of people that – that that I emulate and I, that I and I have a ton of respect for, and, mm-hmm. and one of them is the Temple head coach Dave McWilliams, mm-hmm. who I've been lucky enough to work with, for and with, and and both his youth players and 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 his and his college kids. They obviously he trains them and coaches them differently, mm-hmm. but but in essence, they he teaches the game the right way. Right, and, and those those guys that don't do a lot of talking and barking and, and yelling and screaming. They don't have to because they're prepared. Yes. You know, and, 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 if also, you, and, and the guys that come out here and say, do this, do that, kick the ball here, run here. They, you know, they do it because they haven't. Try, try to imagine us now. having yeah. a guy standing behind us right now. Say this, do that. Put yeah. your microphone say there. That, yeah. Go to this topic. <laughs> yeah. Do this and do that. And, okay. and it's just very unrealistic. And, yeah. and, and I always tell you, I because used, I'm prepared. I got all the yeah, shit written down exactly. over here. Yeah. I used to, uh, I used to, I was lucky enough to be able to be a, a, I, I see you have your state coaching certificate up there. Yeah. I was lucky enough to be able to to teach those courses. I, was t- I taught up yeah. to the C course. And I always told people, look, you, gotta, you prepare yourself in training. You don't prepare kids by screaming at them during games. I said, if you, what you should be doing as a head coach of a team, you should be sitting down, analyze your team, analyze the opponent. And and then make changes if you have to tactical changes whatever, mm-hmm. but but you know we're not going to talk tactical changes with U seven and U eight and U nine. Yeah, 10. we're gonna put, we're gonna get a three in the back here, yes. guys. You know, <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, I need somebody to play wing back for me. So um, let's let's wrap let, wrap yeah. it up with um, we'll take some we will take questions at the end. But the final you know adult who's involved in this is the referee, obviously. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and talk about criticize parents and criticize coaches without you know, doing some inward uh, reflection here. I, I can say that um, personally, I think one of the things that I had to learn that was, that was hard, uh, number one, being an AR was to kind of keep the line while yeah. not ball watching when the ball's mm-hmm. near me. And I, Hardest I've, thing to do. Yeah, and I've kind of learned to take a step back from the line yep. and kind of add to my peripheral vision so I can see what's going, so I can hold the line but also keep an eye out yep. on, on, on the ball going in and out. And I'll tell you what, when it's not I center, easy. It's not, no, it's not. And when I center, uh, one of the things that I've been having trouble with is persistent infringement and trying to keep track in my head of what player has this many fouls and what player's been fouled a bunch of times because i'm not it's, it's easy when i'm sitting in the press box yeah, or when we're watching on tv to say all the right um harris mcdunian's been fouls. fouled four times yeah. or something but i you know when you're in the heat of a game and you're running back and forth um 
you know, I try to go box to box. I know there's some older refs who might not have as much fitness or whatever who will just sort of hover in the middle or whatever, and some younger refs will do that too. But um, those have been the two things I, I, I think for sure. It's been the AR peripheral vision, yeah. trying to keep an eye on that, and, um, and you know, just know, trying to keep a better better game aw- awareness. And let, let's be honest. What job? What other job in the world do you have? You have to watch to your left, out of your left eye. Mm-hmm. Watch the line; the ball doesn't go out of bounds. At the same time, you got to watch her straight across the field with your other, with your other, with your other eye yeah. to see both things. It's a very unnatural thing to do. Yeah, it, it and is. And at the same it time, is, you're, gonna, you're running. <laughs> yeah. You're running 40 miles an hour up the field. Yeah, and I think people underestimate too. Like I, I'm in, I'm, I'm think I'm in really good shape, and um, I, I had been sore. After a lot of games, because the movements are very unnatural, they, they, and there's uh, a lot of start and stop, a lot start, of start and stop, stop, and then sideways, and then like yeah. my my knees. When I do like a day turning, at Tuckahoe, turning, I'm like dead. Turning the, your upper shoulders. I mean, yeah. to, the way, and I can tell you too. That's the, the, and it's funny you mentioned those two things because those are the two hardest things to do. Is to, is as the linesman, holding you, holding your line and seeing if the ball's in and out, and at the same time watching for the outside. Very hard to do, and it's ex- extremely hard to learn the other thing with, with keeping keeping track of, of you know persistent infringement persistent infringement is that I do word associations like mm-hmm. blonde kid I, I because if I had to remember ways the numbers, to remember that, yeah if I had to remember right. the numbers I would never forget it. I would never ever ever remember it because there's so many of it and you it's supposed so quick but if I mean, big, tall kid, you know, second foul, third yeah, foul, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of how I do it. But, but what it is, is you, you – and people, again, parents don't understand that this is something that you have to do because mm-hmm. if one kid runs around and keeps failing six or seven guys all over the field yeah. or the same guy gets failed six or seven times, yeah. you, have some, you have to step up as a coach and say, as yeah. a referee and say, listen, yeah. next person that fails this kid is getting a card. Yeah, and I have, and that's a difficult one too, you know, the reciprocal nature of uh, persistent infringement because you could have a kid who comes into the game, directly into the game, plays his first minutes and commits the seventh foul on one player. But that's, that's kid's is his first foul. Yeah, but his, still, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's always a, a weird it, struggle it, with that. It, um, it, it is, but, but, like, but like I said, as long as you inform the team mm-hmm. that, look, this stops now. The next person that fails this kid is, is getting a card. That's and it's, and it's important you're verbal with it. You know, just saying, say to the captain, hey, listen, I'm telling you right now, Next kid that fails number nine on our team that's is it. getting the card. Because what else? Um, you got to protect I, that's, the players. That's how you have to do it. What, what else? Um, what else do you, th- do you think referees can can do better? I think one of the. I mean, one of the things referees forget to do a lot of times is being being your own hardest critic after a game, and you had you made a tough call or or you made a call you you not sure if you did you know. Ask your linesman. Ask your yeah. Say, ask what did you people, think? Would you would you have yeah, called that, that a penalty? Yeah, you know, have you think conversations about with yeah. the people around you because we're not always right. I mean, like we know the rules. Most of us are referees. We know the rules to a T, and we implement the rules at, at the best of our knowledge and the best of our uh, capacity, right? Capabilities. I'm sorry. And 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 the problem is that we make mistakes. We make mistakes, mm-hmm. and if we didn't make mistakes, we wouldn't be human. Yeah. So, so we're going to make mistakes, and being able to say, hey, I screwed that up. I've said to coaches, look, I, I missed it. And, and you know what? Coaches are actually very – they appreciate they, they, that. They appreciate that, that, they, that you're they, honest about you're it. Honest instead about instead it, of just BSing yeah, your way and through say, and say, well, coach, I – you know, yeah, the, Like the, I've said to a coach after the game, I said, I understand you. I would be, I would be mad at me too. I missed it, yeah, and I'm sorry about that. But I didn't see it, so I couldn't call it. Or I was my head was turned. I was looking the other way, so I, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. I understand that that you're upset, and 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 hopefully it didn't impact the game. Your call, whatever you, yeah. you, you you because it is a very refereeing is extremely hard because you have to be able to make the right runs, being the right positions. You have to look at your linesman. You work as a team with your linesman, and then you, at the same time, you're getting screened at every time you make the call because <laughs> half the people think you're right, and the other half thinks that's the worst call in the world. It's so, an overla- I've found that it's an overlapping of a lot of different skill sets. You've got to be fit. You have to understand conflict mitigation. You have to also pace yourself, yeah. too, and understand how to set the tempo of a game. You've got to deal with parents. You've got to deal with coaches. And I think it's, um, 
I think it's just really improved. I've me personally in a lot of ways doing it. I think yeah. you learn a lot about uh, how people behave yeah. and how people interact. I've joked. I've joked in the past before that if you were like a, a sociology or yeah. a psychology minor, I think they should make you as part of the program. Absolutely. Go like referee youth sports because no you just you, you learn so much about. People's uh, those intersections yeah. of, of, of interaction and whatnot. And um, it's been rewarding because, again, people people say to me, like, well, you know, if people call you a pendejo yeah. for the 10th time in a row, does that bother you? I'm like, no, because no. they're probably not going to see that guy again. No, but, and, 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 and you also understand because you were a player. Yeah, like, I've how many been on times that side of it. You, you, I've, it been a, I've been a rotten yeah, dude. You have. We all me. have. I mean, I've called referees some of the worst things in the world. I have right. both. But the difference between us is that, you know, the difference for us is that we can at least understand now what it's like to be Oops. on that. We don't be on that side. <laughs> I now, actually have should, a couple you, of guys that want to send yeah. a send a, a pod, you know, to you know. Hey, listen, I, I yeah. Hey, I listen. Didn't affect it too four much. years ago, I clocked some kid in front of in front of a bunch of twelve year olds. I yeah. take it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I didn't mean to. Yeah. Anyway, but, so let's um, let's wrap it up here with some uh, union questions. And actually, um, Jeff uh, over at the. Uh, Philly Business Journal sent a bunch over, so I'll go through these. Um, is Maurice to do a lost cause at this point? Um, he's back to full training, but is there any chance he'll be back? To, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think he. I don't. I don't. I'd be surprised if he played another game for the Union um, because even if he was healthy, what's the point? You know, because now you have Alejandro Bedoya and Derek Jones is your young homegrown guy. And you'd like to give those minutes to uh, to him, yeah? Like you, we we touched upon it a little bit before. What? Why? What's What's the point? I mean, I yeah. I, I don't see any reason for him. To playing here, I actually think they should, if they can't get get anything for him, trade him or, or just release him, give the guy a chance to go somewhere else. I mean, I it's a waste of money in my in my opinion. It really is. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't the team be better served to move Alejandro Bedoya to right wing at this point, especially with Herbers on the shelf and uh, Jones perfectly capable of playing center mid? Well, yeah, I mean, especially too because Chris Pontius, the irony of Chris Pontius getting called into the Gold Cup when he hasn't scored a goal this year. Yeah, um, so. Uh, yeah. You know, you would be you would look then at what you would have, um, uh, you know, Sapong, Pico, Ilsenio at the ten or whoever at the ten, Bedoya playing right wing, and then Jones and Medunia. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. No, I like I said, it for me neither one. I mean, he's not the future of this program. I mean, Bedoya, he's just not. I mean, yeah. so so why not play the younger guy and give him times in the in the spot where he needs to be our future? You know, um, what one would think they'd bring in a number ten from outside of the organization, but who internally do you think is the best option there? Well, we kind of talked about that earlier. If they like Fontana, then make him uh, your backup. I think you jettison the two guys you have around the five hundred k mark right now. You get a guy who's double that, and then you use your. You're homegrown. Uh, how do you think the center back situation shakes out long term with Elliot Yaro, Marquez, and Trusty? Well, I think that's who it has. That's um, that's what it would be. We we know Guccianiewu is not uh, the future as well as he's been playing this year. Um, yeah. You know that those four. You have your your rotation of three with your young homegrown guy. It's again for for me. It's like we talked we talked about it earlier. I, I think this team uh, we're not going anywhere. So why not? play guys that are has a future here you know and and yeah. and i'll i'll put my money on that at, at any point with this team what the hell happened to rosenberry is it just confidence or something else should curtain have just let him play his way out That's of it what it says there uh, WT, what that. the F? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, the, ironic for me to censor it after I've dropped a bunch of cur <laughs> curse words already. But yeah, Keegan's an interesting case because I, I don't, I, you know, I thought for sure weeks ago he would have been given another chance, but in the times that we've seen him, uh, the friendly, uh, the Open Cup, um, this, this Swansea friend, some of the games we have seen him, he just, just looks. I don't know what it is. I really don't. I, I honestly wish I could answer it. I don't know. I think the expectations were so – not the expectations were so high, but I think he just set such a standard last year that it was always just going to be impossible for him to replicate. I, I would like to, to charm in here just a mm -hmm. tiny bit because I, there's a huge pet peeve of mine, how the union has done and what the track record is with young players. They, they tend to drop the ball with them and, and – you know, and that's kind of why I don't have a, I wouldn't have a problem with them selling um, selling uh, Blake because I think forced them to play uh, to play uh, play John in net because it's it doesn't matter at this point and you can get money from Blake so spend that money on a good young upcoming player I've given uh, Jim Curtin a list of probably ten uh, what I would say like 
fringe players in that that you can get fairly cheap in Europe, in Denmark, in Sweden that would be able to to come here and develop into very very good players. Right, and I should say that you you and Jim have known each other for, for a long time. For a long I, time, based I, on the the, uh, the scary thing here is that and... both Ben Olsen and Jim Curtin. At one point, I coached them in in <laughs> high school all star games and on club teams or whatever. ODP teams, state teams, it was called back then. But, but like, yeah, I've known Jim for a long time, and I think Jim is actually doing an okay job here. I, I, it's not Jim's fault. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, pressure from above here to to do things a certain way. And and you know, like I said, I ju- I wish this organization would be much better at developing and stay with the young players. Young players goes way up and play at the highest level they can but then they're going to have a they're going to have a low you got to play them when they have the low too because if you don't they will never get out of that again and and they lose confidence and now 10 games goes by where they don't play and now they they may never get there again and and so played these guys and that was one of the huge problems i had with john hatworth who was who is a very very good Coached for young players. And that's what he's doing now. That's what he's doing now again. Yeah, yeah. They, they keep bringing back to a national program to the U17, U18 players. He had an opportunity to develop McLaughlin, Pfeffer, and Hernandez. Roger Torres as well. And Roger Torres. Some foreign guys. And, and yeah. gave up on him. Jose Martinez. There gave up on him. Yeah. They, there yeah. was so many good young players. Even the goalkeepers. Uh, Jack McInerney. Yeah, McInerney, yeah. I mean. Zach McMath. Zach McMath and... What's the big guy up top? Number uh, number ten went to Portland. Oh, Amobi. Amobi. You Kugo. know, there's so yeah. many guys that if they've yeah. had a chance to play, then they would be very good players. Now, eight years later in this league, and they would probably be a very good union team with all those guys on the team. Let me try to get in as many as I can. I'm going to Sorry. sort of do it like rapid. No, no, it's all good. I, just, I, you know, the last the last podcast we did actually went like an hour and ten minutes, and like we got a lot of people listening to it. So people really don't seem to be uh, bothered by good. the length at all. <laughs> um, unlikely that they'll unload Edu, Elsinio, and Alberg, but realistically, would they suit any other team's needs? Uh, I mean, I think Alberg and Elsinio are done with MLS at this point. But yeah, I mean, I could see Marisa do going to like a like an expansion to like an LAFC or something on a. Um, on on a like a one year deal or see what he has kind of deal. I yeah. think the yeah. foreign guys that you just mentioned that list are done here in the MLS. I think, Roland will go back I to think, the Netherlands. Uh, sure. yeah, yeah, or he may he may take a year in 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 Australia somewhere. But but for the most part, I mean these guys are they made good money and, and they're yeah. kind of they're kind of done with the game at this point. But like you said, I would like to see it do playing well. For another team. It's not going to be in Philadelphia, but yeah. he still has a couple of good years in him. What's uh, the likelihood the Union actually go after a 10 this season? I I honestly have no clue. I mean, Ernie's had such a firewall and everything down there. Uh, I know they're sniffing around with the uh, Aguilar guy who was there, but, uh, I mean, to me, again, it's Adam Maher <laughs> or Bust, guy who I've been harping on for weeks. Uh, Stan says it's time to go into the play the kids mode with Epps, Naj, and Miaro, the return of Rosenberg. I mean... Yeah. This is the kind of stuff we talk about. I mean, why not? I mean, even even if this team, as we are, as they are, status quo right now, you play all these guys you're playing right now, and then you get your national team guys back. We may sneak into the playoffs, mm-hmm. maybe win a round, and then we're done. We're not going to win the MLS with this crew, so I don't understand why we like why getting to the playoff is is meant to take. Is, is as a sex story like good season? Yeah, I don't understand that. I well, don't understand when they finish, when they finish 13th yeah. place out of 20. I, I don't so. understand the mentality, Kevin. I, because if you're not, if you're not, if you can't win the league, and you know you're not going to get relegated, which is another thing that 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 oh. teased me off about the MLS. Well, but, that's a good. That's a good. No, I'll let I'll let you finish. Yeah, because point. you can't get relegated, and you're so going to finish then? between so, yeah. if you finish 13th. Or seventeenth doesn't matter, right? Does it matter if you finish anywhere from between second and twentieth? No, no, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> so George George says, um, what would raise the national profile more for Major League Soccer: promotion, relegation, or switching to a fall spring schedule? Yeah, for me, that's very clear. It's pro promotion, pro, pro rail. I mean, I think there's two leagues in the world that don't have uh, pro rail, and it's here, and I think Australia, okay. uh, and and I. I, I 
I mean, I grew up overseas, obviously. So, and I, uh, for some reason, the team that I, the home, my home team, and it's not. I'm still rooting for those teams, by the way. Uh, but my home hometown teams always laid around, right around relegation. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you, I've been to some games in those stadiums where you're sweating, biting your nails, and yeah, and then more so that than when they were playing for the Danish championship because you get relegated it's the end of the world almost you know because yeah. now you got to come back up and it's not easy but don't get me pro, wrong i would i would love to have pro rel, pro rel here it just it's not it will never they're just here. not ready for it, it, it. And it because it, you're never going to tell people like jay sugarman no, hey it, guess what now not, all of a sudden we're changing the rules so you might be playing in the lower division that's right. you're, 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 can you're, you your say, total investment might be can done, you, you say know? usl <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and we, there's not that many people coming out to watch Philly versus D.C., so how many are coming out to watch Philly versus the Rochester Rhinos not in, in a meaningful game? Um, Le Tuper, uh, predict the union's record for the rest of the season. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I did the story on Monday, I think, and I had them pacing at like 20 points. Um, they have to play at Chicago, home to Chicago, at Toronto, at Atlanta, home to Atlanta, at Mon- San Jose. Montreal home at some point. Montreal, um, it's really, really tough. I just don't. Uh, this, this is what I'm saying about this stretch of games right now. Columbus, Columbus, New England, Dallas at home. And then Montreal, uh, like, I, just, I think it's Montreal again. After that. Yeah, I just don't. I, I just don't know where the where the points are coming from. If they pace out now at like 19, say, that puts them on which 23 plus 19, uh, nine carry the 20, uh, 32, 42. Yeah, 42 points got them into the playoffs last year. It's not going to be there's enough this year no because way the East they, is a lot better. There's than no them, way yeah. they get into 42 points. I just don't know. I the the line the line is going to be higher this year, especially because the East is better than the West. Yeah. Um, oh, quick quick stat actually. While I was thinking of it, since they expanded the uh, playoffs to allow uh, six teams from each conference in, the teams have gotten in with 42 points, 49, 52, and like 46 or something like that. The team on the lowest end of that threshold was last year's Union. So wow. last year's Union team got into the playoffs with the fewest uh, amount of amount of points. Isn't, so, that, yeah. isn't that telling? Well, that's what it's. I mean, that's why I was saying they're celebrating all this stuff. Oh, uh, they put. Let me retweet this real quick. They just put this story up here. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's again. So we're going to celebrate getting the playoffs when it was like, well, you finish in the bottom half of the. Uh, combined table. What's the possibility of the U moving uh, Mo Adu and El Seno this window? I, I don't think anything would happen this way. I think if anybody would go this window, it would be Alberg. Um, uh, expand a little on that idea of moving Alberg, El Seno, and Adu. Oh, okay, we talked about that earlier with uh, just you know getting the high low game yeah. with the, like the the seven figure kind of DP, and then on the bottom end, you know, because again, you have you would have two. Would you rather have two five hundred thousand dollar uh, number tens, or would you rather have one nine hundred thousand dollar number ten and a sixty five thousand dollar homegrown number ten? In the nine hundred thousand times, yeah. Here's here's my the the union still has never had a player, maybe now with with, with Andrew Blake, but they never had had a player that I would consider top ten in his position in the league. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it maybe besides a goalkeeper, and there might might have been one or two of the guys that. Like Christian Madera, I always thought he was a good technical player, and maybe, I mean, top 10 is probably tough, but top five, we never had any of those. Mm-hmm. So go out and get a guy that's maybe costing a million dollars that that's, can yeah. play here and yes. teach the, his craft to, yes. to the yes. young kid behind him. Yes. And get to play when the junior are losing 3 or 4 nothing, or they're winning 3 or 4 nothing, or starting the U.S. Open Cup and play next to, play next to that million-dollar man. You know, I, I just, it, it gets to me that... that we are so poor at developing young guys. What is more likely, the union making a significant signing or the staff at Talon Energy learning how to pour the world's most expensive beer? <laughs> I can't say I have any experience with that because, I don't, yeah, I don't uh, buy from the concessions there, but uh, I've heard <laughs> Now, you get beer for free up there, right? Uh, well, we don't get beer, but we get <laughs> some other stuff. We have a nice setup. I, I'm, I'm, nice I'm grateful setup. for the uh, yeah. media setup that we have. Yeah, they do take care of us. We had uh, tacos for the last time. Um does the team like Alberg uh, and El Sino, or do you get the sense that they frustrate? We talked about that, too. I, I think that they like them as, as people, but I know on the field, I just don't think there's a lot of chemistry, for sure. Uh, Peter Andrews, my guy at uh, Philly Soccer Page, have you ever bitten a guy while playing center back? No, but I put a guy in a chokehold in front of a bunch of 13-year-olds. <laughs> it was not one of my uh, better moments. What qualifies? This is from Craig. What qualifies as a <clears throat> – I won the fight, too, by the way. <laughs> 
What qualifies as a successful season from Ernie Stewart and Jim Curtin's perspective? I mean, I guess getting back into the playoffs, right? Sixth place again, at least holding. Well, I mean, holding Pat. But, but that's what they are. That that's what they're aspiring to. Yeah, yeah. Because they they can't go any further with the team they have. Russell uh, uh, from the Crossing uh, Crossing Broad podcast, I think, is trolling me here. He says, "Why does Keon Daniel get such a little praise or recognition? <laughs> Easily a top two uh, Philadelphia Union player. He was another guy, you know, who had a ton of talent and he was really good on the ball, but just like he, he looked like he was always playing po- possession. He looked like he was always playing possession. And, and I know this for a fact <laughs> that his teammates hated playing with Keon, him. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I just know that from from some of the players that was on that team at that point, they hated him because of exactly that that reason that, you know, like, I don't think that team was ready for him, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, <clears throat> he was an interesting guy. I mean, he was nice enough to talk to him, no, but was. they had some. They had some. They all said that he was a nice, he was a nice guy off the field. As soon as they got on the field, they, they, they call, some of the guys called him the black hole because once you get him the ball, you never saw <laughs> uh, him if you Or if you, if you played soccer without the actual goals yeah. on the field, he, he would have been the best player. He would be player. the best player yeah, in the world. Because he just keep possession yeah. all day long. <laughs> right. Knock it backwards. Knock it backwards. Yeah, knock it back. Backwards. Yeah, a little safe back pass. <laughs> um, so that's it. Thanks, everybody, for the questions. And uh, we, we have uh, Philadelphia Union against Colum- at, at Columbus Saturday night, home to Columbus Wednesday night. So the crew are on 28 right now uh, in seventh place. The Union are on 23 in ninth place. So, I mean, these are killer. Because if you lose if you lose on Saturday, they're on 31, you're on 23, and that, too, yeah, that line you, is you, now you, you, eight you, points. You have to come out. For you to, to, to go by them or, or stay with them, you have to get four points. You have to have a tie and a win. Yeah, uh, or else at, it's at minimum, just what's the point, right? At the minimum. Otherwise, yeah. we, you again, you're going to be sitting out behind them by six points and going, ah, oh, we could have, should have, would have, and we didn't. And, you know, the thing that's the hard, that's disheartening to me is the, the fan base in Philadelphia because it's such a good fan base, and, and we just seem to look at these teams and go, another lost cost, another lost season. It just yeah. kills me. I'll take that as the final thought then. Uh, Brian Kammersgaard, thanks for coming in, man. It was hey, a pleasure. I'm, I'm glad we had that discussion because I, I find the, the refing thing and the youth sports thing intriguing. I think a lot of the people who listen to the podcast can, can relate to – well, at least one of those roles, you know, whether you're a parent or you're a coach or whatever, and they can all relate to uh, the struggles of the, the Philadelphia Union as well. So yep. I think we covered all the bases there. Philadelphia Union, Columbus Crew, a couple of six-pointers coming up. Uh, again, thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. As always, it's always soccer in Philadelphia, episode number 26 in the books.